Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. You're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 326. On Now You Know. We're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons. Help support us bring you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really cool perks that you can sign up for and you get the benefits every week. Today's episode is sponsored by Ritual. Now, I find it hard to have a perfect diet every day. That's why you should take a multivitamin to fill in the gaps in your diet. So I did a lot of research to find this company, Ritual, because I wanted to find a multivitamin that was better. What do you mean better? Well, first of all, Ritual is committed to making their products as sustainable as possible. Like how? Well, first off, their bottle. It's made with 100% recycled materials. Even these mailers that they send it in are made from recycled newsprint and plant fibers, and they even use plant-based ink. Okay, that's cool, but how about what's inside the bottle? Well, Ritual is a brand that I can trust because of their transparency when it comes to the ingredients that they use and why. Okay, like what? Well, Ritual's vitamin B12, for instance, or methylcobalamin. Methylcobalamin? Cob yeah, that's just the fancy word for vitamin B12. Unlike how most companies get it, which is from leftover beef liver, Ritual synthesizes it using organic chemistry, which means that vegans like me can take it guilt-free. Wow. And all of Ritual's ingredients are vegan. Yeah. All 10 ingredients in my multivitamin are vegan and sustainably sourced. You can check out the story behind each ingredient on Ritual's website. There's no shady additives, fillers, or colorants. And I like that they're delivered to your door for only a dollar a day, and they're delayed release, so it's easy on your stomach. And there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep your vitamins smelling fresh. Looks like uh, you're going to need a refill soon. I know, right? <laughs> Fill in the gaps in your diet with Ritual. Ritual is offering 20% off your first month by going to ritual.com NYK20 and using code NYK20 at checkout. All right. Exciting week this week. Yeah. Um, it has been a while since we had a Tesla launch event. Yeah, we were at the last Tesla launch event for the Cybertruck back in November of 2019. And we were at the launch event for the Tesla Semi back in November of 2017, which was five years ago. Yeah, so this was exciting to watch. The Tesla Semi truck launch event happened last Thursday at Giga Nevada. Let's go through what we learned. Now, first off, let's talk about some facts about regular old diesel semi-trucks. They make up just 1% of US vehicles, but they contribute to 20% of US vehicle emissions. Those yeah. are 
climate emissions, CO2. And that 1% also accounts for 36% of U.S. vehicle particulate emissions. Yeah, that's the bad stuff that goes in your lungs that you don't want to have in your lungs. So I learned that there's about 200,000 semi-trucks in the U.S. Only about 2,000 are sold every year. Um, and each Tesla semi makes a huge difference in air pollution, obviously, even if you don't care about CO2, just the particulate emissions. And Elon pointed out that Tesla will now soon be covering major forms of terrestrial transport. Yeah, I like how the robotaxi is still covered up. We don't know what it is. So that's how they choose what vehicles to make. Not from a brand standpoint, but from a transition to sustainable transportation standpoint. And then Elon had this funny quote here. He said, it looks like an elephant moving like a cheetah. It has three times the power of any diesel truck on the road right now. And this is because the semi uses three Model X or Model S plaid carbon sleeve motors. One for highway driving to make it efficient. Um, and you can hold it in your hand, but it's more powerful than a diesel engine. Amazing. And then it has two more for acceleration. And they talked about how they're using proven tech from a lot of their other cars. So this is stuff that we know works, but now they're using this thousand volt architecture. And Tesla's been testing this between Giga Nevada and Fremont every day for years. Here's footage of the Tesla semi driving at 82,000 pounds on the Donner Pass, which is a 6% incline and it's accelerating. Yeah, it's blowing past another diesel semi-truck and it's regen braking on the way down so that means that it doesn't use its jake brake which is that loud and you get energy back into the battery from the truck de-accelerating yeah and there's no shifting on this truck uh, it's, it's like an automatic in the sense that when you're going downhill i've learned that truckers in a lot of trucks have to downshift and if you miss one of those gears that's when you can get like a runaway truck and that's why on a lot of these downhill slopes you've got those runaway ramps at the bottom of a lot of these hills, you have to stop and cool off your brakes if you're in a traditional truck. With the Tesla semi-truck, because you're not using your brakes on the way down the hill, uh, you have cold brakes. Now let's talk about range. 534 miles on a single charge fully loaded. Yeah, so this is a chart of an actual drive they did of the Tesla Semi. It's 82,000 pounds fully loaded on November 25th from Fremont, California to San Diego, California. And it proves what we're talking about. It started with a 97% state of charge and it arrived with 4% uh, 500 miles later. And that actually means that there's still around 34 miles left in the battery. And if you don't believe it, <coughs> Bill Gates, then you can watch the whole unedited video of the trip on YouTube. Now, they actually made a sped up version so you don't have to spend, you know, eight hours watching it. And they actually went up 4,000 feet of elevation. They went through traffic. Um, there was no charging, although the uh, trucker had to take a bathroom break. Exactly. And I mean, they went through construction. They went through all real life stuff. This wasn't like doctored in any way. It's a real life trip. And you might be wondering, how could they do this? Um, and as Elon said, it's a bullet, not a barn wall. And what this means is they designed the truck to be efficient and it's able to get an efficiency of less than two kilowatt hours per mile of energy consumption. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible considering how much weight and size it is. Another cool feature is, I mean, I got to stand in the cab of the truck back in the unveiling event. You can actually stand up in it, which is a big deal because if you're a trucker, a lot of you know, you have to change into coveralls when you're doing like work on the truck. And instead of having to get out of the truck and do that in the cold, you can do it in the cab while you're standing. And the other feature I love is that the driver's seat is in the center of the cab, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so in terms of monitoring lots of different stuff, also look at all the screens you have in yeah. there. Really, really cool um, compared to a lot of interiors of trucks that I've seen today. Not that you don't have a lot of cool gadgets, but 
a lot of it has to be tacked on. Yeah. And the really cool thing is that the team put together some things that truckers really need. For instance, they have one touch suspension dump. Uh, so just one button does the work of what normally would be a whole bunch of, of steps. And then they have the one touch light test. Every time you get in the truck, you have to do a light test to make sure that's working. And with one hit of the button, the truck does that for you. But of course, one of the most important things when we're talking about an electric semi truck is going to be the charging. And Tesla did not disappoint in this event. One megawatt DC charging with immersion cooling technology. Now we're gonna talk more about what one megawatt means in a, a, another story later on in the show, so stick around, but oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, this is a huge deal. Because first of all, you have to keep that connector cool. And they did that by what's called immersion cooling technology, or basically immersing the conductor into coolant, a liquid water coolant. Um, and so they're able to get one megawatt through the charging cable and the connector and into the battery pack. If we do some math here, that would mean that the battery pack is probably about one megawatt hour in size. And if you can do one megawatt charging, that would imply about one hour charging with a V4 charger. And for people who are going, but that's not fast enough. Uh, for commercial trucking, it actually is. Yeah, I mean, you have to stop, as Jesse said, every eight hours for at least a half hour break. And so that's half hour right there. Um, and you may not need all that charge. Maybe to get onto your destination, that half hour does it for you. Um, and what's cool is that these V4 chargers are going to be used for Cybertruck as well. And we're going to talk about that more in an upcoming story. All right, so at the event, they delivered the first two semi-trucks. In fact, one of them had been delivered the day before so it could drive down to uh, pick up some snacks for the event. And we are on the list for the semi-truck. A lot of people don't believe us when we say this. The day that it came out, I ran over to the computer, signed up, and we are, I think, number 65 on the list. So I think we should be getting our semi-truck early next year. Yeah. Don't know if they're going to push us back in line or not, but hey, Tesla, if you're watching, we're going to show off the truck. After the event, Elon gave some more insight into the semi's efficiency. Paul Kay said, well, let's do some math. Range 500 miles, efficiency is two kilowatt hours per mile. So let's estimate around a thousand kilowatt hours, meaning the battery size. And Elon said current efficiency is 1.7 kilowatt hours per mile, but there is a clear path to 1.6, possibly 1.5. And this allows us to estimate the battery pack size, as we said before, maybe around one megawatt hour. But uh, the 1.7 kilowatt hour per mile number would point to a battery pack with about 900 kilowatt hours once we factor in the 97 to 4% equaling 500 mile stuff. With that, we probably could estimate the weight of the truck, but I'd rather just wait till we get ours and bring it to a scale because honestly, even if we could calculate the battery pack weight, I don't know what the rest of the truck weighs. Right. Now, here's the, the big thing from the delivery event, or rather the not the big thing, the thing that we don't know. We don't know how much the truck weighs, right? Right. And so because we don't know what the truck weighs, we don't know what it can carry. And you might right. be saying, how is that possible? Um, basically, an electric semi-truck with a trailer can weigh a maximum of 82,000 pounds, right? Right. That's um, normally it's 80,000 pounds, but because it's electric, you can get it an extra 2,000 pounds heavier, and that's to make up for the truck probably having to be heavier. So we don't know if like the max load is going to be higher or lower. I think we talked about this last week. Yeah. But it, it's an important number, and I mean, I think we're going to find out soon enough. Um, I do want to mention, though, there was no talk of autopilot during this event, and I thought that was weird because, you know, normally they talk about how it can convoy and all that. Why didn't they talk about that? I think that they they just wanted to focus on the truck part, and they don't really want to scare off truckers. If there was any, any whiff, truckers. any hint okay, but of hey, autopilot, 
I think that truckers, because listen, if you're a trucker, you have to know that your job is at risk. I mean, trucking jobs are the number one job in almost every state of the country. Sure. And I get what you're saying. But I also know that as an autopilot user, it makes driving so much more enjoyable and safer. So why didn't they talk about it? Look, the, the truck was the biggest question for most people. Autopilot, I would argue, less so. Hmm. Autopilot, <laughs> easier somehow than a 500 mile electric truck. But I mean, it all goes to safety. And if you're trying to sell these trucks to fleets, why wouldn't you talk about how they're safer? I think that they can in the future. I think what they need to do now is get buy-in from truckers to mm. have truckers go, wow, I'm going to be saving so much, so much money on fuel, mm -hmm. so much money on fuel. It's going to be safer. I won't need to worry about uh, my truck running away if I if I miss a, a gear and my brakes overheat on my way down a mountain. But didn't you find that was also weird? They didn't really talk about the fuel savings either. I mean, they, they mentioned a few things, but like it wasn't a big part of it. I think that it was it was smart. It was very focused. And if you look at the news surrounding it, everyone seems to have gotten it because they dumbed it down. Do you think they dumbed it down because of Bill Gates? Um, do you remember this quote? The problem is that batteries are big and heavy. The more weight you're trying to move, the more batteries you need to power the vehicle. But the more batteries you use, the more weight you add and the more power you need. Even with big breakthroughs in battery technology, electric vehicles will probably never be a practical solution for things like 18-wheelers, cargo ships, and passenger jets. Electricity works when you need to cover short distances, but we need a different solution for heavy, long-haul vehicles. That's a quote from Bill Gates. And I think a lot of people look up to Bill Gates because he's so smart uh, and they think he knows about everything. Um, and so I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, if Bill Gates says you can't do it, then you can't do it. And maybe you're right. Maybe Tesla's only job with this uh, event was to show people you can do it. I think that that's the thing. There's plenty of time to start talking about autopilot, to start talking about fuel savings. Look, when you, if you want to get someone into a Tesla and really blow their mind, you don't start with the fuel savings. Mm. You start with the, whoa, wow, that was, wow, it was amazing. And then you go, yeah, and bing, 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 bing. And everyone goes, oh my gosh, really? Tell me more. If you start off with the bing, 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 they go like, oh, whatever, I don't <laughs> care, it's so stupid. That's true. This was so smart of Tesla. I think they did an excellent job at keeping the focus very narrow. And for nerds like us, it's kind of like, well, I want to hear more. I think that for the the average person out there who's going, electric trucks can't work, Bill Gates said so. This really nailed it. Want to save big? Then come on down to Tesla's end of year big sales event, where you can save $37.50 on your next sporty Model 3 or spacious Model Y. That's right, take delivery before December 31st and you'll keep $37.50 in your pocket. What are you talking about? Tesla doesn't have car dealerships, they don't have car salesmen, and they don't have sales. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> At least the sales part. Check out Tesla's website. They're offering a $3,750 credit if you take delivery of a Model 3 or Model Y before the end of the year. Why is Tesla doing this? Well, remember, Tesla doesn't currently qualify for the federal EV tax credit, but it will as of January 1st. So okay. a lot of people are just waiting out the clock. Tesla, I think, is trying to nudge those people into buying one now and keeping the Q4 numbers high. Yeah, because in the first three quarters of this year, Tesla has sold 908,573 vehicles. So if Tesla has a strong fourth quarter, they could push that number close to maybe 1.4 million cars. Which sort of begs the question, 
you know, uh, they should be getting a $7,500 tax credit if you wait till January 1st. But we all know what it's like when you're waiting for something. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> you can't wait three weeks. All right, I'll take it now. Yeah, three weeks, you can't wait? I don't know. Well, and a lot of people may not be getting the full credit. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in an upcoming in depth. Um, and so maybe this is enough for some people to mm -hmm. go like, you know what? It's easy. It's right off the sales price. I'll take it now. Amazing that Tesla can do that. So Elon was busy not just with the semi-truck this week, but with a Neuralink show and tell. It's been about a year and a half since we last heard about what's going on at Neuralink. The Neuralink team, including Elon, gave an almost three-hour update last week. So the primary goal of this event was recruiting. That's important to keep in mind. So Neuralink, if, for those of you who don't know, it's a whole brain interface. It's basically answering the question that Elon has brought up a lot of times. How do we mitigate the risk of AI and how do we go along for the ride with AI? And for those of you who don't really get what that means, it also, as a side effect, can solve some very big problems that some humans face, which is yeah. uh, spinal cord injuries and even blindness. Yeah. So this is an amazing show and tell. I urge you to go check it out if you haven't, but we'll cover most of the points here. So first of all, they wanted to talk about the, the rate that you can interact with computers is slow. I mean, yeah, right now, I mean, the fastest, even I'm not even good at this, but if I was, the fastest I could do this would be like 100 bits per second. And probably not with your thumbs, you'd have to be on the keyboard versus a computer, which can handle giga and terabits per second. And Elon even said at one of these upcoming demos, I will have a Neuralink implant. So <laughs> be ready for that. Wow. Yeah. So Neuralink should be ready for humans in about six months. They're applying right now to the FDA. They've already put in all the paperwork, and I think they're just waiting for the FDA to make its ruling. We think probably in about six months we should be able to have a first Neuralink in a human. So. And if you remember at the last Neuralink show and tell, there was one monkey named Pager showing off what can be done. Um, and now we have six monkeys with Neuralink installed in it. And as you can see here, they are typing with their mind. I don't know that monkeys knew how to type. I don't quite get it I either. I don't follow this part. <laughs> I don't know if the monkeys learned English and they're now <laughs> thinking of the letters or I don't know. But all I know is they're getting a banana smoothie for doing this thing on the computer. And mm -hmm. what they're doing on the computer, that is thinking of what they want to do, not moving their hands. Now, a big question that has come up is upgradability. Basically, if you install version one of Neuralink in your head... What do you do when they come up with a newer, better version? Well, as Elon said, you can upgrade the device by removing the old one and installing the newest version. And in fact, both the monkeys shown here have that upgrade. So they've had the old one, then they've had the new one installed, and they're still alive and healthy. And let's talk about that Neuralink implant. It's the N1. Uh, it has 1,024 channels. It's about the size of a quarter. It has a wirelessly charged battery. And the first use will be to restore, as Jesse said, either human vision uh, even if someone's born blind, or to help humans who can't move their muscles to restore full body functionality to someone who has a severed spinal cord. Which is insane, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Now, one of the biggest questions is how is this going to be installed in your head? In your head. Yeah, um, it's this. It's the R1 robot. It's kind of like a sewing machine. Um, it basically has to put all of those electrodes into your brain. And they did a demonstration on a on a fake brain during the presentation. It takes about 15 minutes. And so Neuralink has moved to Austin, Texas. They've set up dual operating rooms and a manufacturing facility. And they even said they're going to build a Neuralink clinic because here's the thing. There's only about 10 neurosurgeons per every million people on earth. And you might be like, well, that sounds like a lot, but there's hundreds of thousands of people who need this kind of device. They need it to be affordable and accessible and they can't wait to book 
a neurosurgeon to do this surgery, they would, you know, we would need to have these going on all the time. And so they're working on how to do the craniectomy robotically without the need for a neurosurgeon. And you might be like, what's a craniectomy? Well, that is where you make the the hole in your skull um, and then you actually have to insert the implant. So once you have that in your head, um, then you need to start decoding the brain signals using a neural net because your brain is kind of like a circuit board, but it's kind of everyone's circuit board is completely different. So we have to kind of look at that circuit board and say, what connects to what? Yeah. And what's cool here is that the speed with which they're improving has almost doubled since last year. Also, the reliability. It's interesting to note that in real world testing, Neuralink is finding that there is kind of this bias from day to day. So, for instance, if I were to look at your brain today versus yesterday, it's almost like it's offset in voltage, it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so every day they have to kind of track that. And this is a problem they're working to solve right now. And I didn't I didn't know that. The next thing that they're doing is they're optimizing the chips that are going to be going in the implant. Right now, they've been able to lower the power consumption to 32 milliwatts, um, and this should allow all-day use without charging. The next-gen chip will be 4,096 channels within the same chip footprint, meaning 16,000 channels in the next generation of Neuralink. That is a 16x improvement. The more channels you have, the more bandwidth you can have with your brain. And so... During 15 minutes of the presentation, they installed 64 threads into this fake brain. And as we can see here, Pager has that installed and the battery is being wirelessly charged while Pager is doing some work. And Neuralink is also working on a Gen 3 charger and they've already gotten the cost down five times from the first generation and they've increased the rate of development. Yeah, they went from four hours, um, which was needed to test all 1000 electrodes down to 20 seconds. And here you can see an implant animation um, and all the work it takes to basically put this into your brain. Back in June, it took 22 minutes to make one of the tungsten needles that they needed to to do this. And that was with a 58% yield. So a lot of times it just didn't work. Today, they're down to six minutes with a 91% yield. So basically, they can iterate new needles faster. And now they have needles that can go through the dura layer of your brain cavity. So there's the hard part, the skull. And then right under that is this dura layer, which is something right now that they've had to cut out. But if they can go through the dura layer, it's safer and means one less thing you have to cut out of your head. And and they've been able to reduce the thread manufacturing cycle time. It's now 33% faster than just a year ago. So you might be saying, okay, there's all this threads and needles and and uh, neurosurgery. It sounds and I would never sounds, get sounds that really done. scary. Right. First of all, I want to talk about um, how this can help the blind. Yeah. So it's the most amazing part of the presentation. I urge you to watch it if you haven't. It's absolutely mind-blowing. What they did is they basically, with one of their monkeys, mapped its optical cortex to be able to figure out when you see like a flash of light somewhere, what lights up in your brain. They were able to backwards figure out what that is and then be able to induce signals. Mm -hmm. So the example that they did was they had a monkey looking at a screen and it would flash dots and it was taught to look at the dot as soon as it flashed. And so the monkey would move its eyes to flash to the dot flash. And what they would then do is induce a flash in the monkey's brain and the monkey would look (laughs) at the dot even though there was no dot. Yeah. Which means that they were able to actually induce sight In the brain of the monkey. I know. Okay? Even if you were born blind, they will be able to make it so that you can see. So what they talked about is basically with with enough channels in the right places of your brain, they would be able to build a picture in your head. 
And so if you were blind, you would be able to see. Isn't that incredible? I have to be honest. I wept when I saw that. I can't believe that they're going to be able to do that. I, I think that that's really amazing that we're going to have the technology to be able to do that. And that's just one of the things that they were able to do. Let's talk about helping with spinal cord injuries. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that need this technology and you might be like, I'm not going to get this installed in my brain. And sure, I totally get it. But if you don't have control of your body or if you're blind, a lot of people would would be jumping at the chance to get something like this. And so the way that helping with a spinal cord injury works is what they're going to do is read the signals in your brain. If you have a disconnection somewhere in your spinal cord because of an accident or an injury, um, that means that the signal is not making it down to the muscles that need to actually move around. Right. And so what they can do is read the signals in your brain of like, I want to move my arm and wave to my friend, but it won't do it. But if they can pick up that signal, mm -hmm. they can then send it into a lower part of your spine yep. where the signal would normally go and then uh, more signals would, would be transferred to your arm muscles. They can then induce the signal out to your arm so that way you can move your arm. And then let's say that you wanted to pick something up. What they can do is also take the, the touch signals mm -hmm. from your hand mm -hmm. that go back to the spinal cord. They can read that and send that back to your brain, yeah. which means that for people who can't feel their bodies and can't move their bodies, they mm -hmm. can now actually touch things again. Yeah, it's insane. The whole show and tell was really well done. Each team member presented well. They were short and concise. Mm -hmm. And what struck me was similar to AI day number two, the presentation with Optimus the Tesla bot. Mm. The team is so smart and so young. And I think that this is going to completely do what they wanted to do, which is attract this talent to come to them. I mean, first of all, in terms of solving uh, blindness and spinal cord injuries, this is like pretty much, I, I don't know, as far as I can tell, the best hope mm -hmm. that people like this have. Mm -hmm. And secondly, just to go <laughs> off the deep end here, if you have a chip in your brain that can allow you to see things without your eyes having to see them mm -hmm. and allow you to feel things without your body needing to actually feel them, uh, Anything going off in your head right now? Uh, uh, hook that up to a computer program because right. it doesn't need to be a camera out of your eyes seeing the world to right. to give you sight. It could be running off of a graphics card. Yep. And uh, the same thing with the touch. Yep. Kind of crazy if you think about it in, from that perspective. We're not there yet. And I would rather, you know, solve blindness and spinal cord injuries. But it's amazing that we're going to have the technology to basically directly interface with your brain. Yeah. And I just spoke with a resident of Austin, Texas. And I think this show and tell probably just added another couple hundred residents to Austin because I think this is going to attract more and more people who, like Jesse and I, saw this presentation and went, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want to be a part of this. Yeah. Go watch it. And if you're watching us right now on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. We want to let you know that we also release Tesla Time News as a podcast every week. So if it would be more convenient for you to listen on your favorite podcast provider, you can find us on all of the major platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, etc. So up until now, the largest known U.S. government purchase of EVs for a fleet was last year's announcement of New York City's purchase of up to 250 Tesla Model 3s. And even that is over five years, and it's not that impressive. Well, maybe this purchase order will impress you. Caltrans 
Trans, or California's Department of Transportation, has just confirmed their purchase of 399 rear-wheel drive Tesla Model 3s. And that is $18 million worth of all electric vehicles, making it the largest known purchase by a U.S. government agency to date. Caltrans has already taken delivery of 236 Model 3s so far, and they'll have the remaining 163 vehicles by January 1st. Once they arrive, Caltrans will have converted 43% of their 1,195 vehicle fleet to zero emissions. Caltrans also has 54 Toyota RAV4 Primes, 15 Chevy Bolts, 11 Nissan Leafs, and a Ford F-150 Lightning. Along with 37 hydrogen Toyota Mirais and a hydrogen Power Sweeper. Anyone watching right now who works for Caltrans, we would love to get some pictures of your fleet. If I do get the Mirai, uh, where do I charge it? I don't know, Carl, it's your problem. So check it out. This was posted on Tesla's LinkedIn, only for people in Thailand to see. Hello, Thailand. What does this mean? Well, in Thai below, it says December 2022. So I think it means Tesla is launching officially in Thailand. But I don't see Thailand listed on Tesla's website. That is a good point. Um, it does seem like we should have gotten a tweet or something. And you would think that Tesla would have their website translated into Thai if they're going to be in Thailand. And as far as I know, there aren't any superchargers in Thailand. Well, I mean, maybe that's about to change with this announcement. I mean, I kind of think that this is official enough. Yeah, I mean, it's posted on their LinkedIn. It's not like it just came from some rumored site or something. Right. So, I mean, the question is going to be, what does this mean for Thailand? Is it going to be that they're going to start to sell cars there? Does it mean that they're going to be opening up superchargers? Because I do want to point out, if they did open superchargers, they could get all the way down to Malaysia. Mm. And then if they opened in Malaysia, they could get down to Singapore. Mm. And then people in Singapore, even though they have a ton of superchargers down there, they could actually drive all over the place. Yeah, I think the next step would be opening superchargers. That would be my guess. And then we would probably start to see some showrooms, service centers, and then they'd start selling the cars. But yeah, I think first step is superchargers. So I think that'll let us know when things are really starting to crank up there. But what do you think? Uh, let us know in the comments below, especially if you're from Thailand. We're hearing that Elon just met with his Giga Berlin team and that a third shift will be coming in the second week of January. Yeah, so last week, Giga Berlin hit a record of 550 Teslas made in a day, which would put their weekly production rate at about 3,300 cars. With Giga Berlin going to 24-hour production, we should see 5,000 vehicles per week. Now, I know if you do the math, that only comes out to 250,000 cars a year. But keep in mind that this factory is still ramping up production. Let's use Giga Shanghai as a way to kind of gauge this. They started production in December of 2019. And they're now at a bit over a million vehicles per year, having made 87,706 vehicles in October. So fast forward three years, and we could be looking at about a million vehicles per year coming out of Giga Berlin as well. Or more. I mean, Giga Berlin has expansion plans, so maybe Tesla will keep increasing their rate of innovation. And who knows, maybe in three years, there'll be Optimus robots working on the lines in Berlin. So what is this I've been hearing about a Tesla project called Project Highland? Yeah, we've been catching little wisps about this ever since back in March. Um, this appears to be Tesla's refresh of the Model 3, which is now expected to come out in Q3 of 2023. Okay, so what have we heard is coming in the refresh? Anything? We heard uh, wheels in matte black. So same design, but matte black? Uh, I, I think it might be a new wheel design as well. Okay. So this is 
a covering of what we think is the refresh model three. What is that little like dot near the headlight? Now, everyone is saying that this is a camera in the front of the car and called it. Yeah, we called it. Although, <laughs> no, I just want to point out, we said, yes, we think they needed two more cameras. More, more cameras, cameras could be, be super, super helpful, helpful in, in many, many situations. situations. So where do we say we think they should put them? So you're, so you're thinking, thinking right, right at, at that, that front, front bumper. bumper. Right there. Yes, I know that we said that in our in-depth, but, but my thought here is the entire covering is completely opaque. So I have no idea where this little camera size circle comes from. I don't think it's possible that we could be seeing it through this opaque covering. Okay. I have no idea. I don't put it in the comments below. Tell me what you think. We'll try and average it out and figure out what's what's true and what's not. What else could be new in the refresh? Maybe they're going to be adding a yoke steering wheel, kind of mm. adopt that across the whole line. Maybe making it a little bit more robo-taxi-ish. The one thing that we have been hearing is that they might be reducing the amounts of components. Yeah, I want to talk about that because it's fun to talk about new possible features. But what's going to be another huge impact of the refresh is simplifying and streamlining the production to help reduce costs. So if we look at this graph from a recent Reuters article, it compares Tesla to Toyota. So even though Toyota sold more cars in Q3, way more cars. Yeah, that's the dark red line. They sold 2.6 million versus Tesla's 344,000. Look at this. Tesla made $9,754 on average in profit per vehicle versus Toyota, which only made $1,273 per vehicle, which means that both companies made about the same in net profit, even though Toyota, of course, made more cars than Tesla did. Is that not astounding? That's really, really huge. And that's the existing Model 3, not counting the refresh, which, as you said, is probably going to make it even cheaper. And I mean, let's just talk about this for a second. The Model 3, I don't think, has seen major improvements with Giga Castings. Mm. So in terms of being able to simplify a whole bunch of parts, which means reducing assembly line costs. Now, a lot of that is already CapEx. They've already bought the robots. Um, but if they can get the production time mm -hmm. lower yep, because cheaper. they aren't welding up a bunch of different uh, metal pieces mm -hmm. and instead they're just going Kronk! and making it in a, in a Giga Press, it, that could save a lot of money, too. Yeah, I got to go back to the cameras. I do think that, I mean, we've driven these cars a lot in autopilot and in FSD, and I do think that the cars needed cameras in different locations. So I am hopeful that these are additions to and maybe replacements of existing camera locations. But it, we're going to have to see what that means in terms of the existing fleet of a million Teslas. Right. So, I mean, comment below what you think it's going to mean. So we just reported on this tidbit of information that was gleaned from the Tesla semi-delivery event when Dan Priestley, Tesla's senior manager of semi-truck engineering, shared such a juicy tidbit, a morsel, if you will, that I believe it deserves its own story. The Cybertruck will have one, one megawatt, megawatt charge. charge. OK, so first off. Let's make sure that everyone knows what one, one megawatt, megawatt charger means. means, because I think that this is one of those things that most people don't know much about. And by things, I mean electricity. Yeah, we're all used to plugging devices into the wall to power them. But most of us have no idea how much power they're drawing and what the voltage is and the amps and et cetera. On this show, you'll hear us talking about charging speeds of vehicles all the time. In fact, it's something we test because it's such an important part of a vehicle, like our F-150 versus Rivian charge off in depth video. We usually say something like the Ford F-150 can charge at 157 kilowatts. It appears that the Ford is pulling 155, 156, oh, 157 kilowatts. It took us about five minutes to get the charge actually going, but we're gonna count it from 1236. 
We're at 13% to start. We're now at 14% and we're gonna see how long it takes to get to 80%. So yeah, we tested our F-150 and found out it charges at a max charging speed of 157 kilowatts, at least during that test under those conditions. What one megawatt charging means is that the Cybertruck and semi-truck will be able to pull 1 million watts of power into the battery. That's over six times more electrons than the F-150 Lightning, for example. So putting aside amps and volts and watts for a second, even if you don't care to learn any of that, it essentially means that the Cybertruck should charge over six times faster than the F-150 Lightning. It took us 46 minutes during our testing to charge the F-150 from 11% to 82%. And we've gotten almost 95 kilowatt hours of electricity in 46 minutes. I think that we're gonna call it there. That's 95 kilowatt hours of electricity in 46 minutes. So by my math, the Cybertruck with one megawatt charging speed should be able to charge from 11% to 82% in about seven minutes. <laughs> now, we don't know everything that we need to know yet. Uh, we would need to know the taper curve, but assuming it follows a similar curve as most EVs where the power drops as the battery fills up, this could be a mic drop moment for the Cybertruck. If it could charge at seven minutes versus the Ford F-150's 46 minutes and Rivian in 42 minutes, yeah, I got to stop here and talk about why that's a game changer. If Tesla comes out with a Cybertruck that can do what we think it can now, and arguably the biggest drawback to electric vehicles for most people is range anxiety and charging speed, how long it takes to sit there and, and charge it. If you're now down to seven minutes for most charging, that's basically going to a gas station. So that would put an end to anyone's pushback against the truck being electric. And I think that this implies that the Cybertruck is using the same or similar 1000 volt powertrain architecture as the semi-truck. Yeah, this is just conjecture at this point, so don't quote us, but to pull one megawatt means that you have to increase the voltage of the pack. And Elon did say that the semi's 1000 volt architecture would be coming to future passenger vehicles. He just didn't specify which ones. So this has so many implications for the supercharging network. How many new 1000 megawatt version four stalls per location? Do trucks get priority? Will semi trucks be stopping at superchargers? Can Cybertruck use regular superchargers and the like? It's Really, really, really exciting because the, the biggest drawback, especially with electric trucks, is they are so inefficient that for the same amount of charging speed that you're getting, you are getting less miles of distance added to your vehicle over a given span of time. If you can massively increase the charging speed, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. And this is going. Yeah. Good. Goodbye, Rivian. Goodbye, Ford. Goodbye, GM. This puts all of them to shame. Yep. And if you want to talk about this more, head on over to our sponsor at Cybertruck Owners Club. There you're going to find their reservation tracker so you can see where you are in line. We're number 20. And you can use their 3D configurator to allow you to visualize the Cybertruck in any color, wrap, and logo, both on screen and in augmented reality. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. We interviewed former Boston City Councilor Matt O'Malley recently, and we published that video as a Patreon bonus video. 
Matt is a great guy with fascinating insights into politics and how it all works. I think you're going to really enjoy it. That's the kind of thanks we give to our patrons who help support this show and make bringing you independent news possible every week. Now, this may seem like a strange request, but we are looking for people in our area of New England who have festive holiday lights at their house. Are we making a holiday calendar or something? <laughs> no, we're looking to film an episode and... Well, I can't reveal the details, but if we're going to pull this off, uh, then we need a really, how should I say this? Like a Griswold style light show. Yeah. I mean, basically, we need a lot of lights. That's all I can say. So if you have such a light show at your house and you're willing to have us stop by and film for an hour or so and you live in New England area, that's Massachusetts, southern New Hampshire, southern Maine even, please take a moment to fill out the Google form in the show notes and we might be in touch. And thank you. So in SpaceX Starlink news, the FCC has granted approval to SpaceX for their next 7,500 Generation 2 Starlink satellites to launch. Starlink has been asking for permission for a constellation of 30,000 satellites altogether. And so far, the FCC has deferred on making that decision. But 7,500 isn't bad. Uh, Starlink speeds have been dropping, according to many users. Ookla, which has been tracking Starlink download speed, says that for the third quarter in a row, the median download speed has dropped and is now at 65.8 megabits per second. Now, I'd like to point out that that is still a great speed. That's more than enough to watch uh, 4K Netflix, for instance. Also, as you can see from this chart, Viasat is the only competitor that even made it onto the list, and their speeds are still below 30 megabits per second in the U.S. and Canada. And look, speeds are dropping because more people are joining Starlink. Uh, we're roughly at 400,000 people now using SpaceX's satellite internet network. Yeah, check out this map. It's comparing Q2 and Q3 of last year to Q2 and Q3 of this year. And I mean, the coverage is just amazing. But yeah, they need more satellites to increase the bandwidth and that increased bandwidth is going to bring faster speeds. And what I think is impressive is that Starlink's speeds, while admittedly lower than the average fixed broadband speeds in the U.S., yeah, look at this. Compare Puerto Rico, for instance, where Starlink is faster than Viasat and fixed broadband. Uh, same is true for Starlink in the U.S. Virgin Islands, Mexico and the Dominican Republic. To keep speeds high, Starlink is considering throttling some users or charging 25 cents per gigabyte for high speed access. And last week we reported on the U.S. military testing Starlink. Now it seems that the U.K. doesn't want to be left out in the cold. I don't get that reference. So they started testing Starlink in more than a dozen hard to reach parts of the country, including uh, the Wasdale Head Mountain Rescue Base in the Lake District, Rivalox Abbey in the North Yorkshire Moors National Park and an outdoor activity center in Snowdonia, Wales. So the digital secretary, Michelle Donnellan, said high speed broadband beamed to Earth from space could be the answer to the connectivity issues suffered by people in the premises stuck in the digital slow lane. Funny that OneWeb wasn't a part of the government's trial, even though the UK government invested half a billion dollars back in 2020 to keep OneWeb from going bankrupt. And lastly, big news for the residents of Haiti. After months of testing, SpaceX has just gotten the permit to operate in Haiti and should be up and running in a few weeks. Now, this is huge for rural residents who can now get jobs in Internet related businesses and even call center jobs or vocational training over the Internet. Yeah, I mean, this is a real game changer in ways that we can't even imagine for people around the globe, because until you have the Internet, you're not really part of the Internet economy. Right. And. For places like Haiti, where which is an island, you would need to be stretching like fiber optic cable underneath the oceans, which is very, very expensive. Not that launching satellites is not expensive, but you get at least to cover the whole dang world. Tesla Insurance is now operating in a dozen U.S. states, including its newest market, Minnesota, which it launched last week. And Tesla Insurance has been asking state regulators to allow Tesla 
to raise its rates. Yeah, in Virginia last week, Tesla asked for a 19.1% overall rate increase, citing competitor rate activity and prospective net trends. Because of the filing, we get to see how many customers Tesla has. Currently in Virginia, 2,987 Tesla insurance customers with premiums totaling around $2 million. But Virginia wasn't the only state where Tesla was asking for premium hikes. Tesla asked for a 30% rate hike in Maryland and a 24.5% increase in Oregon. Tesla said competitor rates were the reason for the increase and also blamed inflation. Now, as we reported recently, Tesla has updated the safety score algorithm to now consider night driving, which will lower your score if you drive between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., which we think would raise your premium if you did a lot of night driving. Yeah, it definitely does. We've already heard that from some viewers. So my question is, if competitor rates are getting higher, shouldn't Tesla be happy and stay lower to attract more customers? Yeah, that was my thought, too. But maybe this isn't the real reason. Maybe it is just more expensive than Tesla thought. And they have, you know, they came in too low, basically. And now they're trying ways to get the premium up because they can't cover the premiums. I I mean, I guess maybe it's I don't know. And, and also, it seems like with night driving coming in and, and probably hurting a lot of people's scores, it just seems like the premiums should be going up all on their own anyway. So back in 2020, the Chinese media outlet Ping West published a very unflattering story about Tesla, saying that Tesla was forcing its workers to eat instant noodles and stale bread, using defective parts that put customers' lives at risk, and workers being denied their rightful pay, among other things. Tesla decided to sue, claiming the article was defamatory. And Tesla won. The Chinese court ruled in Tesla's favor, forcing Ping West to remove the article, pay $14,000 compensation to Tesla, and apologize for 30 days publicly. Now, I think the strongest outcome of this lawsuit is that it sends a message to other media outlets around the globe that Tesla is willing to litigate to defend its reputation. I mean, it's a little bit different because this is China versus maybe a more free country where suing is going to be... I don't want to say easier, but at least you don't have to worry about what the government's going to think. Yeah. The fact that Tesla was able to sue successfully in China it is a pretty big deal when we're talking about China. It is a big deal. And it also shows Tesla's strategy, right? They could spend, you know, Ford spends billions of dollars every year to advertise in all sorts of media. And that kind of buys them good press. Let's be honest. We've talked about this before. Tesla has decided to not do that, not spend money on advertising, so they save billions of dollars, but they have decided to beef up their legal team. I don't know how much they spend. I'm guessing it's in the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars because these lawsuits are not cheap. Um, a, a lawsuit like this, for instance, in the US could cost easily a quarter of a million dollars. So they've decided we're going to sue and threaten to sue, which will mean that, that you're less likely if you're an editor or a writer at a news media outlet to write something defamatory, especially if you don't have the facts to back it up. Instead of spending $4 billion in advertising across many different media platforms, just so that way, if, you know, an editor hears of a story, they go, well, we don't want to we don't want to piss off Ford, do we? Right. Now, this next story doesn't fall into the big deal category, but it is representative of Tesla's continuous improvements to its vehicles. The Tesla Model S and X are now getting bigger rear screens. Now, while it may be hard to see, the old screen there on the left has a thicker bezel, basically that black border around the screen versus the new bigger screen on the right with less bezel. So more usable area, not 
actually a larger screen. And uh, please let us know if you get the new screen and share some video with it because we don't really know too much else like when the new screen went into vehicle production and whether you can connect to Bluetooth headphones and stuff like that. There should be gaming in the rear screen. So having a bigger rear screen would be nice, but I, we haven't really seen hardly any examples of it. I guess everyone sure. who bought a Model S and X Plaid are just too busy racing them around to like sit in the back seat and, and start gaming. But we would love to see uh, your Model S or X Plaid or just refresh actually. Um, send us in video at hello at now you know channel.com. So you know what Tesla Sentry Mode is, right? Um, you know what? You should probably just describe it for people who don't know what it is. So all Teslas sold today come with a feature called uh, Tesla Cam and also Sentry Mode. Uh, what this basically is, is it's using all of the cameras that the car is normally using for um, autopilot or full self-driving. It's using them as security cameras. So all around your car are cameras. And if someone walks up to your car while it's parked, the cameras turn on, it records the video. And then if they, you know, key your car or smash a window, you're going to catch them on tape. So Tesla just announced some new features to the Sentry Mode in an over-the-air software update 2022.42.2. They are the following. Camera-based detection. So now you can shut off the camera-based detection if you want and instead use intrusions into the vehicle like glass breaking or doors opening or when the vehicle is tilted. So like if there's a hit to the vehicle or someone like leaning on it. And this is nice if you uh, live somewhere either with a lot of traffic, so you're going to be parking on the street or if um, like sometimes snow would be melting off of my car and the little drips, the camera would be like, what's that? And it was just like water dripping off of the car. And so I'd come back to the car and be like, a hundred, you wouldn't believe the, the criminal activity going on. And I'd be like, what? Um, so you can shut that off, which is nice. And the next is sentry mode clip length. Now users can set the amount of time that sentry mode records in one minute increments. So if you don't want it to record too long, you can shorten it. Both these features, I think, were here to help with thumb drives and SSD drives that were filling up with footage that nobody really needed. As you may know, we here at Now You Know have put a pre-order in for the Lordstown Endurance all-electric pickup truck. It was touch and go there for a while with Lordstown, let's be honest. It looked like the company might not make it, but as we've been reporting, Foxconn bought the Lordstown factory and invested $170 million into Lordstown to keep it afloat and to help build the Endurance. Now we're hearing that Lordstown has received its certifications from the EPA and CARB, allowing them to start deliveries and... Deliveries are supposedly happening as we speak. Yeah, the first 500 customers should be getting their endurances. Now, I'm not sure where we are supposedly on the 100,000 pre-order list. My guess is there are not really 100,000 pre-orders. Um, but I hope we get our endurance soon. Lordstown, if you're listening, it can only help you to get the word out, to get that truck with four in-wheel motors and a five-star crash test into our hands so we can show it off to all of our audience. Yeah, I'd like to know if it holds up against the Ford and the Rivian so far. So we reported last week on Elon's meeting with South Korean President Yoon Suk-yul. Now in an interview with Reuters, President Yoon said... If Tesla, SpaceX, or other companies are considering more investment in Korea, including constructing a gigafactory, the government will do our best to support the investment. We are preparing a tailored approach to grant some advantages to these specified companies. So it sounds like South Korea wants Tesla to build a gigafactory. Now, the only thing that I think might be tough for Tesla is that South Korea has very strong um, unions. Okay. And I'm not sure that the president of South Korea can really do anything about that. Mm. This might be one of the sticking points for Elon, because in the not too distant future, if we're right, human factory workers at gigafactories will start to be replaced by Tesla bots. And you need a workforce that's kind of open to that and not going to start some kind of robot war. But I do think that it's interesting, though, that the president said Tesla, SpaceX, 
or other companies kind of meant it kind of sounded to me like any company that Elon owns. <laughs> right. Like you could also read it that it's like or VW or Ford. But why would you put why would you throw SpaceX in there yeah. um, and not include any other company at all? Uh, that's pretty that's pretty interesting. I think that any smart government knows that Tesla is going to be around for a while and you want that company in your country because that's going to give you some stability and some growth. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends at Henson Shaving. And if you're looking for a great gift this holiday season, this uh, is it. This is, this is it. Uh, what makes a good Christmas gift, you might be saying? It's something that you're going to be using all the time mm -hmm. and something that you're going to have to be thinking about while you use it. And I just have to say... Every week before this show, I use my Henson razor and I'm thinking, oh, I'm shaving with my Henson razor. That makes a good Christmas gift because every probably week that person is going to be thinking, oh, thank you so much, Larry. That's really nice. Also, you can use our code now, you know, to get 100 free blades. That's basically going to last them a whole year, which sets you up perfectly for next year's Christmas present, which is 100 more blades. Escape into the future. All right. So what do you do if you need to get from your electric yacht? to the shore. You park your yacht at the pier and you get off. No, no, no. I mean, if you're anchored in the marina and you want to head into the port for lunch, let's say. Okay, so you use your your yacht's little boat and you... The little boat? Yeah, and you and you row it to shore. It's called a tender. Oh. Uh, row, no. You own an electric yacht. Uh, you're not going to row half a mile into port and get all sweaty. Have I been raising a barbarian here? <laughs> Again, I don't know this yacht stuff. Okay, then I'll use a little gas engine. Yuck! Smelly and noisy. You own an electric yacht, for goodness sake. All right. I don't know. How do I get from my electric yacht to shore without sweating and smelling up the marina? You use one of these. An electric tender. The Silent Yachts Tender 400. It's a four-meter carbon fiber, six-passenger boat, fully electric that has 30 kilowatts of power. It weighs just 90 kilograms or 198 pounds. It can travel at speeds of up to 20 knots. You can choose an inboard 20 kilowatt water jet propulsion system or a 20 or 30 kilowatt electric outboard. And you can choose between a 16 kilowatt hour or a 20 kilowatt hour battery. You can cruise at 10 knots for two hours before needing to recharge. That's what you use. Okay. Okay, got it. I, I'm learning. I'm just, I'm learning. <laughs> All right, it's time for Going Green, sponsored by EcoWare. And uh, I know you found the secret item because mm -hmm. you mentioned it the other day. It, if, in case you guys don't know, there's a secret free item on EcoWare. You have to I know find that sounds, it, it and sounds then crazy. you can get it for free. Yeah. So, so head on over to ecoware.us. You have to browse through every all of our amazing products over there. Right. And if you do see anything that you like, keep in mind that everything is completely carbon offset. And then on top of that, we plant multiple trees for every order. And then on top of that, we help cap oil wells that have been abandoned that are currently spewing methane into the air, which, of course, is a horrible greenhouse gas. The Well Done Foundation is our partner, and they are working to cap those wells to stop them from just polluting our atmosphere for no freaking reason. All right. So I got to admit it. I was never a big fan of Domino's Pizza, but I am now. Why the change of heart? Their sauce or something? No. Domino's, the world's largest pizza company, may soon have the largest electric pizza delivery fleet in the U.S. I don't get it. What? Domino's announced that they are ordering 800 Chevy Bolts for their delivery fleet. 100 custom branded Bolts will hit the streets this month, followed by 700 more in the next few months. Although I just checked our state of Massachusetts on Domino's website and uh, there's none. No, don't have any. And of course, it wouldn't be a national food chain without some kind of marketing promo. So enter to win a 2023 Chevy Bolt EV. That's fun. Yeah, that's great. You know, it doesn't make their pizza any better, but nope. it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it means it gets their emission free. 
and and I'm all in favor of that. All right, it's time for our video contributor stories. And remember, we need your stories. So send those in, two minutes or less. Shoot them in landscape. Good audio, no music. Send them to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got this week, Jess? We've got the world's only plug-in hybrid hub mobile. What? Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Kevin from Illinois at the National Drive Electric Week here in Fox Valley Mall in Aurora. Today, I have Bruce Jones with me in his plug-in hybrid vehicle. Bruce, where did you get this vehicle? Hey, hi, Zach and Jesse. I watch you guys all the time, by the way. Uh, Bruce Jones with the Fox Valley Electric Auto Association, and we are here at the Southern Na National Drive Electric Week event in Aurora. This is a 1930 Hup mobile, very rare automobile, and it's a plug-in hybrid electric car. So it's got a gas motor up in front, but when I bought it, I wanted to make it electric. So it has half gas and half electric. This is how it does it. The Buick motor up in front connects through to a, a transmission, which connects to a Netgain 9-inch Transwarp electric motor on the drive shaft underneath, and that goes to the rear end. So I come up to speed on gasoline, and then I connect it. I connect the switch to electric mode, and then I'm driving on electric in nice, quiet cruise mode. Behind the back seat are the batteries. I have 9.2 kilowatt hours of batteries back here, which gives me about 20 to 25 miles of range. And it gives me, instead of nine miles to the gallon, it gives me about 20 miles to the gallon um, of, you know, of gas mileage, or electric mileage too. So it's the world's only plug-in hybrid electric hopper. So thanks guys. I love you, I think you guys are great. And back to you, Zach and Jesse. Now, now you, know. you know. Wow, thanks to Kevin and Bruce for that. That I did not expect to see. <laughs> That's funny. That is cool. There's so many cool projects like this that you can do with electric, and we're going to start seeing more of them. All right, it's time for our Patreon bonus stories. we got a lot of cool stories this week, along with an Investor Club bonus story that's kind of like a three-parter. You can see all that by heading over to Patreon and supporting us. And for as little as a buck a month, you can get all the Patreon bonus stories. And, I mean, that's so much content for really so little. Yeah. And it makes a really good Christmas present. That's true. All right, we're back from our Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs. These are people that support us on Patreon. They get their names in the end credits. They make such a difference. Who do you got this week, Jess? Ravi Kaza. Nan Pham. Dom Pucci. Justin Carvacho. And Rod. Thank you so much for supporting us. We can't do this show without you. All right, we did a Patreon poll this week. What was it? Will Tesla build a separate megacharger network for the semi-truck? Hmm. What do people say? Most people said yes, but they will also put a megacharger or two at regular supercharger stations for Cybertrucks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, it's time for Elon's tweets of the week. And Franz said, come on out to the Peterson Automotive Museum to see Tesla's amazing history. And Elon, of course, liked that. Elon said a little more progress to Mars, and they posted that Booster 7 completed a long-duration static fire test of 11 Raptor 2 engines on the orbital launch pad at Starbase. So, yeah, we're getting closer. Elon then tweeted this uh, 
funny video that we're going to show you on Patreon bonus stories about microservices. And I think you're going to like it. Still not understanding this. Why is it so hard to display the birthday date on the settings page? And then Elon tweeted out Twitter core services latency reduced by about 400 milliseconds should feel noticeably faster. Elon said, thanks, Tim Cook, for taking me around Apple's beautiful headquarters. And he said, good conversation. Among other things, we resolved the misunderstanding about Twitter potentially being removed from the App Store. Tim was clear that Apple never considered doing so. Nice when two uh, heads of companies can get together and go for a little walk. Elon said Twitter is purging a lot of spam and scam accounts right now, so you may see your follower count drop. He went on to say, as a reminder, tap the stars icon on upper right of screen to switch between latest people you follow and recommended tweets. Good that he's teaching us how to use it. I have no clue, so that's helpful. This was really cool. If you haven't seen this about chat GPT this week, um, it basically, it's like GPT-3, which is that AI that can you can kind of write things and talk to. Um, and it's getting really good, as Elon said here. And to me, I read this, you should read it. It kind of passed the Turing test for me. Mm. Um, I mean, this was a thing written by a computer that sounds like it was written by a human. And Twitter suspended Kanye West, or Yee, from Twitter for posting a Nazi symbol inside the Star of David last Thursday night. Mm. Yee shared uh, screenshots of him texting Elon on Donald Trump's social media platform, Truth Social, saying to Elon, who made you the judge? And that's when Elon responded with this, F-A-F-O, or f*** around and find out. Elon said, I meet so many people who read Twitter every day, but almost never tweet. If I may beg your indulgence, please add your voice to the public dialogue. And I tweeted out more this week than I normally do, and so did Sandy Monroe. He said, I joined Twitter two weeks ago because you bought Twitter. I now have 30,000 followers, and when I post over 100,000 views, I screwed up a few tweets because I'm new, but I'm learning. Good for and you, Sandy. Good, good for you, Sandy. Yeah, I, and a lot of cool stuff on his channel, by the way. braver than me. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I'm, I, I joined Twitter, and then I stopped posting. <laughs> President Biden tweeted out, you hired me to get things done. I hope I'm making you proud. And Elon said... I kind of like this post, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, hey, a couple of good bills got through. That's right. You know, I'm Gotta pretty excited about some of them. You know, he, President Biden went on to say, uh, we're building 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations across the country. The Great American Road Trip will be fully electrified. Will be? I've, we've already done it. Well, that's what Elon said. Years ago. He said, or you can just buy a Tesla. Yeah, we did that six years ago. And Elon tweeted, anything anyone says will be used against me in a court of law. Holmar's catalog said, in a world where anyone can speak freely, who decides what is true? Elon says, you do. That's the fundamental difference. And Elon tweeted out this poll. Major Twitter system improvements were implemented this week to drop hammer hard on spam and scam accounts. Taking just the past 24 hours, does it seem like there are far fewer? And most people said yes. And he said, please screenshot examples that Twitter needs to fix. Then he tweeted out this poll. I'm not expressing an opinion, but did promise to conduct this poll. Should Assange and Snowden be pardoned? And 80.5% of people said yes. Uh, and then this tweet about trees of thought, basically a new way that Twitter could post things so that there's like a two dimensional way to look at uh, tweets. And if they can figure out how to do this, it could be really cool. Uh, the more Twitter improves its signal to noise ratio, the less relevant conventional news becomes, Elon said. The intelligence of this hive mind will improve significantly as signal to noise, effective cross-linking of tweets and speed of tweets all improve. And Elon retweeted this. The Center for the Oldest Ice Exploration said, despite 30 knot winds at the Allen Hills, Antarctica, where ice cores up to 2.7 million years old have been found, SpaceX Starlink continues to give the NSF-supported Coldex team unprecedented connectivity. Wow. That is cold, and it works in the cold. And Elon tweeted out that Starship takes beings of Earth to Mars. He tweeted out Space Ark, which is this 1968 painting by Japanese artist Shirogu Komatsaki of what it might look like. And he said the Constitution is greater than any president. End of story. So there you have it. Elon's tweets of the week. And, and you might be saying, why do you guys do this? And I think it's very important to follow what's on Elon's mind, because mm -hmm. as we know, Elon runs all these companies. So if you know what's on his mind, you kind of know what he's thinking about. Yeah.
It's time for Community Mail Time, where we find out what you're thinking about. So remember, share your stories, your photos, your videos with us at hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got here? Joel sent us this video of what appears to be a semi-truck from Waymo. That it does. Our viewer Daniel sent us these pics of some EVs he spotted around Prague. Douglas found this metallic pink Model Y in Toronto, Canada. I feel like we've seen that one before. Arthur sent us this picture and video of an F-150 Lightning charging a Pipistrel Alpha electric plane. So you can see the whole YouTube video. We'll put the link down below. That is so cool. So they're using inverter in the back seat of the Ford, and that's why the door is open, and that's why they aren't plugged into the bed. Yeah, so I think they had to, like, jack up the voltage or something. Well, it has a charger, basically. Right. Um, but that's that's fun. Yeah, and you can do it multiple times because the battery in the plane is way less than the Ford. So the Ford can drive to the next location and charge it again. <laughs> John found this Nissan Aria over in Stockport, UK. Our friend Tom paid a visit to Giga Berlin, and he sent us these pictures. Oh, wow. That's cool. Nice. Love it. Alexi sent us this video of a Model S Plaid he spotted at Giga Berlin as well. John spotted this Rivian delivery van, and he got a chance to talk to the driver. Uh, the driver says that he loves the van, the one pedal driving, the great screen, and other stuff like that. And we actually got a view inside the back that's of it. That's so cool. Great lighting. Good job, John. Yeah, good work. And Michael spotted these three Teslas parked outside a furniture store in Scottsdale, Arizona. And Michael found this funky wrapped Model S. That is cool. All right, it's time for Supercharger Reviews. Remember that you can submit your reviews. Uh, all you need to do is go to the Now You Know website, and it's real easy to do. Just shoot them and load them up to YouTube, and we'll be able to show them to you like we are right now. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Scott reporting in from the version 3 Supercharger installation in Susanville, California. It's at the Diamond Mountain Casino and Hotel. There are eight version 3 superchargers. In addition, there are a couple of charge point chargers right there and a couple of Tesla destination chargers. While your car is charging, feel free to go over and go in through that door after pressing the button to gain entry and you'll find clean restrooms available 24 hours a day. I'm gonna rate this one a six out of 10 on the Jesse scale. Now you know. Hi, Joe from the Columbia, New Jersey Supercharger right on the border of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh, eight stalls, 250 kilowatts, uh, right outside the uh, Delaware Water Gap uh, Travel Plaza right there. Uh, there's Sbarro inside, uh, Starbucks, Auntie Anne's Pretzels, um, Chick-fil-A, so if you're hungry, uh, really nice, really clean inside. Uh, definitely recommend coming here. I would give this one uh, a seven out of 10. Really nice, great location right off the uh, highway, uh, Route 80, now you know. Hello, Zach and Jesse. I'm standing here in front of the Tesla Supercharger Station in Kingsville, Texas, near Corpus Christi. There's eight stalls here, 150 kilowatt. Uh, we have a Holiday Inn Express, Nice clean restrooms. There's a Starbucks down the street, Hampton Inn across the street, Chick-fil-A, Wendy's, Whataburger, uh, good stuff. I give this a seven out of 10, uh, so now you know. Hi, Zach and Jesse. This is Tom in Tucson at our brand new 16 stall V3 supercharger. It's about a block off of Interstate 10 at exit 250, that's Orange Grove Road. And it's in a great location. This uh, shopping center has 
six different fast food restaurants, a craft beer emporium, a supermarket, an urgent care center, and a bank. If you're willing to walk across the street, there's two convenience stores and three more restaurants. So I guess by Jesse's lights, I'd have to rate this a, a seven or a, or a six. But considering that it's about three blocks from my house, I give it a Tom score of 11. Thank you so much for doing Supercharger reviews. And if you're like, oh, darn it, they must have done all the Superchargers in the world. Well, don't worry. There's more. There's more Superchargers that Tesla put online just this week, just in the last seven days since you last watched Tesla Time News. Here are the newest Superchargers that have opened to the world. We start with the Six Stall and Nanning at the Everbright Life Plaza, China. The three stall at Zhuhai at the Daomen Daxin Metropolis in China. Number 54 in Pennsylvania is the 12 stall at Blakeslee, Pennsylvania. The six stall in Zhao Plaza in Hong Kong. Number 57 in Hong Kong is the three stall in Inno Center, Hong Kong. The six stall in Imsil Cheese Theme Park, South Korea. Cheese Theme Park? Yeah. Oh, somebody's <laughs> got to review that one. Number 101 in South Korea is the six stall in Sijong at, at Daepeyong, South Korea. The three stall in Hangzhou at Zhanlinblu, China. The six stall in Hangzhou at Zanchen Wulinli, China. The three stall in Jinhao at the Wangu Plaza, China. The three stall in Wuhan at Binjen Van Kili, China. Number 28 in Connecticut is the 12 stall in New Haven, Connecticut. Number 97 in Texas is the 12 stall in Allen, Texas. Number 321 in California is the 12 stall in San Jose at Saratoga Avenue, California. Number 49 in North Carolina is the 12 stall in Sanford, North Carolina. A two-stall old-school 150 kilowatt in Beijing at the Yongzin Baller, China. The eight-stall in Bracebridge, Ontario. Number 77 in New York is the eight-stall in Brewster, New York. Number 12 in Israel is the 16-stall at Holon, Israel. The eight-stall in Godrich, Ontario. The eight-stall in Matic, Ontario. Number 1482 in China is the three-stall in Shanghai at the Bojan Garden City in China. Number 169 in Canada is the eight-stall in Richmond at Stevenson Highway, British Columbia, Canada. And number 17 in Denmark, number 894 in Europe, number 4,464 in the world is the 18 stall at Randers South, Denmark. Whew. Man, they are not slowing down on superchargers. No, they are not. <laughs> uh, I want to give a big shout out to all of the video editors out there who signed up to join our team. Uh, Jesse and I are having a blast meeting all of you. If you haven't heard, we're looking for video editors to join our team and help us grow. So feel free to fill out the Google form, which is down below. And remember this holiday season and all seasons to be kind to your fellow humans. It doesn't take more work to be kind, but it does make a huge, huge difference. And I want to thank, speaking of kindness, all of the wonderful, amazing Patreon patrons that we have scrolling past here. If you want to join them and get your name on the end credits, you can sign up on Patreon. Um, also, our Patreon bonus stories are $1 a month. So if you're looking for a... $12 Christmas present that's going to bring somebody about 52 hours ish worth of joy um, you can sign them up at the $1 level on Patreon and they're going to get access to all of this um, it's a really good Christmas gift I'm just saying if if you're watching this show and somebody watches this show every week um, this is like your, your chance to give them a really good gift and can I just throw something in since you're watching to the end and I love people who watch the end a little secret no one else knows about in fact I don't even think Jesse knows about it yet. We have so many cool EV chargers that we're going to be reviewing soon. And when we're done with them, we don't need them. And so we are going to give them away to our patrons. 
even at the one dollar level. Mm-hmm. So once we start reviewing them, we're gonna then post them on Patreon and say, "Hey, we're done with this one. Could you use it?" And we're gonna give it away. And the chances of winning it will be so good. Yeah. So as another little perk, uh, because we want to help electrify the world like Elon does, join our Patreon and you'll have a chance to win what could be hundreds of dollars worth of EV charging. And you'll have seen it working on That's our right. on our charging setup. Um, yeah, we spent uh, quite a bit of time setting up our our new charging box yeah so that um, we can plug in chargers to test them um again and again and again instead of you know installing one like a normal person we're, we're going to be doing a whole bunch so yeah and if you want to see those reviews head over to now let's review channel that's where we're going to be reviewing all of our um electric chargers along with all of our electric bikes and scooters and other fun stuff like that um we'll see you next week now you know Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.